This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. that you're a man of faith. I'm curious if you've ever read Proverbs 16, 18, which talks about pride coming before the fall. Something changed after 2018. You're humble, you're hungry and everything, and something changed. And there seems to be a lot of arrogance that came in. There's a lot of friends and family. I mean, three of the 10 on-field football coaches are external, experienced hires. Everyone else was an internal hire that had no experience before or was a former player or friend. So I'm curious, why are we paying you $11.5 million to go 4-4? and And it's not just this year. It's been just the refusal to accept all right, all right. What's this guy's name? Tyler. Hey, Tyler. I've I've listened to enough of you, Tyler. There he is. As somebody pointed out on the text line, maybe Tyler just wanted to go viral have his 15 minutes because he has it now. Tyler from Spartanburg, who you heard it there, made a run at Dabo Sweeney on his coach's show last night, Tiger Calls. As Lauren Brownlow told us, and you told us earlier, Bone, there's a part two where he made a comparison to him and Tommy Bowden. I, like, he got personal with it, brought up his salary, said that there's an arrogance and pride. As he brought up a proverb about pride getting the best of you. Like, that felt personal to me. he tried to use every angle it felt like to me to try to defuse Dabo when the response was coming. He did the, I've been a fan since since way back when. He used religion. He, I'm not taking away from him, but he did mention his military service. So he tried all these angles, Matt, to almost justify his opinion, and it went on for what you're hearing 30 seconds of what was an eight-minute ordeal in total. After Dabo How long was, was Tyler allowed to speak? It was about three and a half minutes or so. Because I was for editing. three and a half minutes, he just criticizes the coach on his own yeah, show, and it, no one does anything. It went on and on, and I'm, I'm, that's I'm, that's crazy. I'm, I'm guesstimating, but it was a long. Well, time. Well, that's why Lauren said, wonders if it was a plan because he was allowed to go on, and no one at the studio cut him off, and Dabo didn't cut him off any sooner. Did the host, ima- Don uh, Munson, didn't cut him off. Could you imagine Mac letting a caller go for three and a half minutes? Well, you can't imagine it at all, but much less shredding me, <laughs> much less shredding me on my own show for three and a half. But anyway, um, let's get NASCAR. George is the only one I believe that's had that authority. Um, uh, all right. His Let, record was eight minutes. Let's get to Dabo's response. Yeah, we used to actually run to the bathroom during NASCAR. George calls. You know what I mean? He wouldn't know it. We'd be gone. All right. Let's get to Dabo's response. Now, Dabo responded for like five minutes. We have basically a little more than half of that. So sit back and listen. But this is some of the best parts of it. And Dabo was hot, man. Listen to this. Let me tell you something. We won 11 games last year. And you're part of the problem, to be honest with you, because that is part of the problem. The expectation is greater than the appreciation. Mm. And that's the problem. And so, you know, we've won 12 10-plus win seasons in a row. That's happened three times in 150 years. So if you want to know why... Clemson ain't sniff a national championship for 35 years. We've won two in seven years. And there's only two other teams that can say that, Georgia and Alabama, okay? 
Is this a bad year? Yeah. And it's my responsibility. Take 100% responsibility for it. But all this bull crap you're thinking, all these narratives you read, listen, man, you can have your opinion all you want. And you can apply for the job. And good luck to you. But to answer your question, all right, we're second in draft picks. We've graduated 98% of our guys. We're second in wins. All right. Frank Howard never had a bad year. Coach Ford never had a bad year. Coach K has never had a bad year in basketball. People have a bad year. What's happened at Clemson is we've won so much that even when we it used to be the funds and the winning, now even when you win, people like you complain and criticize the coaches and question everything. You, you, people like you, all right, when I hired Tony Elliott, to be the offensive coordinator who never called a play in his life. I'm sure you were critical then. All right, and he took us to two national championships. So if you got a problem with that, I don't care. All right? It, I work for, for the board of trustees, the president, and the AD. And if they're tired of me leading this program, all they got to do is let me know. I'll go somewhere else where there is an appreciation. I'm 53 years old. I have been a part of failure many times. But there ain't one thing in my life that I've ever failed at. Tyler. I wanted to get an education. I got two degrees. I wanted to be the first college of my graduate with my family. I did it. I wanted to go play football in Alabama. I earned a scholarship. Letter three years. Worked my ass off. Won a national championship. I wanted to get into coaching. I worked my way to being a head coach. And when I got this job, and I'm sure you didn't want me to get this job, and 15 years later I'm still here, and I'd say the results are what they are, and I stand on them. I wanted to get married. I've been married for going on 30 years. I wanted to be a father. I've raised three great sons. If you don't like how I run the program, don't be a fan. I don't care. But I'm the head coach, and I'm going to do what I believe is right for the long term of this program, what's best for the players, and what I think is best for the moment. If you got a problem with that, that's fine. But you're not, I'm not going to sit here and let you call. I don't give a crap how much money I make. You ain't going to talk to me like I'm 12 years old. <laughs> so there you go. And there was still more. Oh, yeah. There was about two minutes clipped out of Dabo's response. I didn't want to go like the full five minutes, but that was some of the hits right there from Dabo on that response. That lasted longer Ooh. than Tommy Bowden at Clemson. <laughs> That's how long it went for last night. I love Tommy, but that went on forever. That was amazing. And a quick look at the text, because the question is, you heard some of Tyler's call. You heard some of Dabo's response. Like... I don't think Dabo deserves a criticism from some in the media that are saying he went overboard. Like, I, I just I thought Tyler was trying to be a jerk, as in 2023, a lot of people are trying to. A lot of people trying to be a jerk, trying to get a reaction out of you, and he got one out of you. But I think Dabo made a lot of great points about the success he's had there. I do think, like, like for example, the last two years, this one's a bad one, and Dabo owned it. Said this is a bad year, and that's when he somehow, Coach K somehow got involved. Bone, but he like, didn't use the he didn't use the Clemson basketball coaching legend. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. But the, the 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 years before, he won ten and eleven games. So yeah, there was a drop off, but compared to what Tommy Bowden and Tommy West and all the Tommies were doing, Bone previously at Clemson. Like, I do think there is a lack of appreciation from Clemson fans. What do you do? You think Dan Walken says uh, from USA Today said Dabo is childish in that rant. Like, do you agree at all not, or no? Not, not at all. I thought Tyler, the content creator, came out like an entitled spoiled clown. And I'm not a Dabo defender, but in this case, when you let a dude go off on your head coach like that for four straight minutes, he's got every right to respond, and yeah. he did. And yeah. I, look, man, I Dabo stood up for it. I don't think Dabo was, 
I think Dabo was speaking from the heart there. I, 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 I don't blame Dabo at all for getting mad about that. It's a, it's a different time for Clemson than they're used to. Emotions are running high. And then you let this guy on there talk about religion and Tommy Bowden and his contract. He went every area possible to try to agitate Dabo. He did. He did. It's not personal. But Dabo's got the right to respond. Now, one thing I will say, I'm, of course, not a Clemson fan, Mac. And and it's one thing to – they earned that history. They earned all that stuff that Dabo's talking about. He helped build that. He created the greatest run in Clemson football history. And you will remember that, Clemson fans, for as long as you live. You will cherish it. But if I'm a fan of Clemson, like if, if Joe Torre, Mac, at the end of the Yankee run, was just talking about what we were, that's wonderful. But if I'm a Clemson guy, I want to know, that's great. How do we get back to that? How do we fix that? Because we are in a weird spot here. Speaking of if I was a Clemson guy, how do we get back to what we were? Dabo, how are you going to adapt to get back to those days? It's one thing to talk about those days. How do you get back to what they were? I want to hear more of that than what Clemson was. Yeah, I'm not sure that they ever will, quite honestly. That was a out-of-this-world run at a school that never did anything like that before. And, right. we'll, and probably will never do anything like that again. I mean, there was a six-year span where them and Alabama were one and one A. We're talking about the greatest college football coach over Nick Saban, ever, Nick Saban. And Dabo, I thought, was his equal for about six years. Oh, no. no. That we is, talked about him replacing that, Saban down it's, there. It's absolutely amazing. It really is. Um, so there's two sides to this. The one side is I do feel like fans take for granted what Dabo did. Dabo's created a change in expectations. I think people need some perspective. Like when Dabo said we have won 10 games, 12 straight years, Bone, they hadn't won 10 games at Clemson in 21 years. He then did it 12 straight. Think about that. For for over two decades, y'all never had one season of 10 wins. He made it the norm, made it a point where his last two 10-win seasons, Clemson fans were angry about it. So I just that perspective has to be given. Dabo Sweeney could never have a 10 win season again. He should he will be remembered as a god and a legend. Maybe I shouldn't use God. Maybe I shouldn't use that. But he will be an absolute legend in 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 Clemson. He will be the most successful Clemson coach in any sport probably ever. Regardless of whether he wins 10 games ever again. So that needs to be mentioned. Now what you're mentioning, Bone. Is And as Moose said, Moose is a Clemson fan, says he sees both sides. He's Dabo's side and, and the fan side. He says Tyler did not frame the question. He framed the question terribly. Right. He made, Tyler wanted to be a jerk to Dabo. Yep. And that's why I think – that's why I love that Dabo went off on him. But I do think there, to your point, Bone, there's a legitimate question of, okay, four and four. This is by far below the standard that you yourself set. What are you going to do to turn this around? Why how, Why should I believe it's just a one-year blip? Ask the question that way. Are you willing you know to I mean? do whatever it takes like, and adapt and go against Ask him stuff? what those things are yeah, yeah. that you're going to do. Because, again, like I said, I would not bet money on Clemson ever being that dominant again. First of all, now we got Georgia in the mix. I just would not bet Florida State looks like they're, they're coming back. So I just wouldn't bet. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be moving forward. I, I wouldn't bet on that. But – so there is a legitimate question there, Bone, of can Dabo get this thing back? Here's the best thing that Dabo said in the defense of Dabo. They won 11 games last year. This is not – yes, they are not at the level the last couple of years of dominance that Tyler the Clown expects. However, they did win 11 one year ago. This is not 
<laughs> this is not like that. They won six. They won seven. They're going to maybe not make a bowl this year. We'll see. It's not like a three or four year drought here where they've gone way under. They won 11 last year. You might want to just not every there's going to be dips uh, in valleys, especially when a coach is around for as long as Dabo has been around and how long is that the amount he's going to be around. There's going to be some valleys in there. We see with all the long time coaches and programs, basketball, football around here. There's going to be some moments, but it's not like the moments lasted three or four years either here. They won 11 a year ago. Yeah. Now, little, little perspective. Now, Tyler. should there Ty, be Tyler when a guy refuses to use the transfer portal for anything yes, other than third string, third string quarterbacks? Th- there is reason to be concerned, but the way Tyler, Tyler, the way, the way he went after Dabo, I didn't like. The interesting thing, though, is I would say eighty percent are getting Dabo's back. Even the non-Clemson fans. There's Gamecock fans on here saying I can't stand Dabo, but he was right on to go after him. Someone says genius response, and I don't even like Dabo. There is delusional vol though, Bone. That yeah. says now Tennessee did get uh, did get mentioned bone in Dabo's rant. He did. <laughs> so maybe delusional balls mad at that. That wasn't. I don't think it was the part we played, was it? Might have no, been a different they, part. Tennessee did beat him in the bowl game. Or no, yeah, sorry, they did. They did. Yeah, yeah. But they got mentioned as like a program that has. Never right. done this, and we did this every year for 12 years or whatever. But uh, Delusion of All says, personally, I think it's great and hilarious da- that Dabo did that. Shows his pettiness. I just thought Dabo showed his emotion and his passion. Sometimes Dabo's passion will put his foot in his mouth. He'll get so passionate about things, he can't hold back. He doesn't have a filter. In that case, now, so there are some people saying, Bone, that that was the case. This dude says he is the most famous and prominent member of Clemson, and he embarrassed himself in the university. There are some people that think he went too far. I don't think his passion was taken too far this time. I think Tyler was was asking for it, personally. Mag, when Dabo got hired, he was very, very down-to-earth relatable. He would come on our show all the time. Remember, it didn't take much to get Dabo on, did it? I had Dabo's cell phone number back. We could actually text Dabo if we wanted him and he'd make it work. That's how easily accessible Dabo was. In the run, and it happens with coaches in sports, in the run, it got harder. Dabo had so many areas he was being pulled in. Dabo, you could never text Dabo. You could never relate to Dabo in many ways because he became a rock star at Clemson. That's the first time in a long time, Mac, I heard Dabo speak, and I and I actually felt like okay, yeah, I felt That's, I felt there was a human. Not that he's not human, but me here as a Gamecock fan now, I thought I actually kind of felt for Dabo in that moment. You're talking to me that way, like I'm a waste right, of money when right. I've done this, this, yeah. and this, and uh, and it, it, it really, it, he really laid it on thick when he started talking about I wanted to be married. I've been married for almost thirty. And like right. you should tell, he was personally ticked. I'm looking at these responses, Bone Stanford P Gamecock fan says Dabo is 100 percent right, and I hate to say it. Uh, we also have uh, let's see here. Are these texts. People are going crazy on the text line. Uh, text in the city says, is Tyler now the sports version of a Karen? <laughs> You're being a Tyler. All right. Oh, is You're being is, a Tyler. Are we going to? Oh, man. Is <laughs> the way the year's going, Matt, is Clemson going to beat Notre Dame? And when they're all gathered on the field afterwards, oh, he's going to dab over the promo. Is he going to call Tyler out? He's going to cut the promo. Tyler? <laughs> Tyler? Yeah, Ty- is Tyler the next uh, one to motivate a team? Oh, that would be so funny if all week Dabo's like, let's go show Tyler. Come on. <laughs> that would be freaking great. Flam, what do you think by the, what do you think about this? I know you also are in the category of not exactly Dabo's number one fan. Flounder's going to call the Mac Brown show as Tyler. Did he, <laughs> did he do, did Dabo do anything wrong? 
What'd you think of this whole no, thing? I, I don't I don't think so. I don't really understand the people that are saying that he went too far. Did I miss a point where he took a personal shot at Tyler? Yeah, like, I didn't think there was anything that terrible. I mean, it went on Tyler, and on. Like, he really was mad. You just had to sit there and listen to a guy for four minutes tell you why you're a complete failure that you've done that that you're you're screwing his team over basically and you're just gonna sit there and not respond like what are you supposed to do thanks for the call yeah like come on man let's move on to the notre dame game no but yeah nobody's gonna actually sit there and do that i don't see anything wrong with that and i think that anybody that does see anything wrong with that probably they're 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 like Tyler. They're trolls that don't want to hear somebody respond to that. I should be able to say whatever I want to you because I'm a fan and you're the coach. It's no, a, that's not how it works. A lot of people have used the word entitled. Tyler came across as entitled. How about this text? Dan Wolken is a woke bum. All right, we don't need to get into a, a woke or not woke here. Uh, but yeah. I do think Dan Wolken talks out of his rear end a lot. Quite he seems honestly. removed from society, like, right? I, I just, like, I, at times. I, for him to call Dabo childish, and why would a guy that makes $11 million a year and won two national titles uh, you know, g g give Tyler this response. It's like, because Tyler, first of all, was going on and on. Secondly, it was disrespectful. And thirdly, Dabo does have pride about what he's done there. Like, that was... I mean, there's much better ways a caller can bring up their struggles this season. And this this content on, exploded on social media last night, and the initial audio, Mac, was a little unfair to Dabo because it did not include the caller. So people were just hearing Dabo's response. Another video came out, and they blew up even more, that included Tyler. And as you watched it unfold last night, the narrative changed as, oh, we needed context okay. of what Tyler was saying. So initially, some guys just heard Dabo and not why he was responding to Tyler. So most people hearing the the jerk that Tyler was being, yes. you know, it kind of made people jump on Dabo's side. Dabo, we had both sides. Dabo referenced Coach K in there, and someone brought up how would Coach K have handled a caller like that. Coach K would never handle a caller like that because Coach K never did his own college show. Chris, <laughs> Chris Collins and John Shire did it. They never heard Coach K say, uh, Tyler, yeah, I'm going to need you here. Uh, to re uh, look at the resume, Tyler. Tyler, Mickey and I have had an extremely successful marriage. She yelled at referees for me for almost four decades. All right, Tyler? Yeah, he never got that. He never had that problem. <laughs> Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio. 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. So it's spooky season, as we mentioned. I think it would be pretty terrifying for the league if the Carolina Panthers found themselves in the postseason. Nobody would want to face a red-hot Carolina Panthers team finding themselves. That actually might be true. At first, it was meant to be sarcastic, but knowing what it would take for Carolina to get into postseason contention, who would be playing better football at that time? Probably a select group of teams, or very select. They're going to have to win a decent amount in order to get into playoff contention. But, Fiddy, this is your floor here because... Yeah. <laughs> you were the mad scientist that cooked up this 
stuff. Yeah, I, and he was he was looking, he was squinting at the computer screen. Oh wow, unnecessary shot. He was looking at the Panthers record, looking at their upcoming schedule, and then he kicked a theory to us, into which Wes called it's a theory. <laughs> so what is said theory, Fitty? You know, I know Carolina's one in six. I know they just recorded their first win of the year. I look at the schedule coming up. I look at how bad the NFC South is because the quarterback play in this division is buns. I, I, I still think there's playoff hopes in Carolina. I know it's going to take a lot. You got to win at a minimum six games to put yourself in that conversation. Because I think seven and ten is on the table to win the NFC South. But, you know, if they can get these next two games against the Colts at home and on the road at a bad Bears team, three and six, you, we'll, we'll have to start having that conversation. And I just wanted to pose it to the people if they still believe in a potential postseason berth. How much do you believe in it, Wes Bryant? Uh, for the cutest sound. Which one? You got it. Oh, you the one on. you love so much. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to give me a second. Okay, here. well, I give you a second. I'm sure to just come <laughs> in as I start to make my points or whatever. But uh, the only thing I said about it, it is not completely out of the realm of possibility because of history and what has happened. I just looked at some of the things that happened in this win that against better football teams, you probably don't come out alive in this one. Fortunate with the first down. You give up six sacks on your quarterback. You only run for 1.8 yards a carry and 44 yards total on 24 uh, carries. So that's what I look at as far as, okay, you got to win, but this was definitely getting by on the skin of your teeth. And so if you play a better football team, and, and granted, these aren't great teams coming up on the schedule, but the Colts have a few wins. I mean, it's not a no-shot game. You've got to punch a chance against Indianapolis and, of course, the Bears. And so I feel like if, let's just say, for kicks and giggles, that you were able to beat Indianapolis and Chicago, put you at three and six, but then you got that stretch coming up of Dallas, Tennessee, Tampa, New Orleans, I think the margin for error is so slim. The top of the division, you've got two four-and-four teams, so that means that you would have to have two teams just collapse down the stretch and then the Panthers be able to take advantage of that. And I just think that's a little unlikely. So that's why I you that's, know, called it just a theory. That's that's as fair as a take as you can possibly have on this. It's a little unlikely. Or in other I, words. No, hell no. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That, that that's that's a little unlikely. Fiddy, did you have any rebuttal to what Wes was saying, or did you just want to continue on your theory? No, hell no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I think a part of it is like you look at the Panthers franchise. They started the twenty the, the 2004 season one and seven. They finished seven and nine. You start last year one and five. You finish seven and ten. They've got a history of being a slow starting football team and finishing fast. And also, look, Frank Reichs, he's damn near bragged about. I've started slow and made the playoffs before. It's true. It's true. So he's he's been at, I think it was a one in five with the Colts, and he got them, I think, to ten and six in a postseason berth. He's been here before. You've had a, you've got a head coach that has experience. It. You have, they have experience doing this before. I think we all you know wax poetic about the type of quarterback that Bryce Young has been and will be in 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 the years to come. I think he's a guy that's capable of leading them on this run. It's far fetched. You probably got to get a game either the home game against Dallas or that road game at the Jaguars for it to really be a possibility. But I I, I don't rule it out of out of the possibility just because. Uh, Desmond Raider got benched. Baker Mayfield's looking like bad Baker. 
And Derek Carr continues to validate why Walker didn't want us to go get him in the offseason. Uh, he played good Sunday, though. He had over 302 touchdowns. That was his first good game really all year, though. Okay, well, he started to get going, though. The QB debate bait. It is there. <laughs> it is 100% there. And I shall go away from the mousetrap with the tasty cheese. Let's get what everybody is saying on the text line about Fitty's theory. Fort Mill Niner said, Mac rubbed off on Fitty on that crowd surf. Is that true? Did you feel yourself be infiltrated by the Space Jam aura that also infiltrated the basketball in that movie? No, I mean, look, it was an honor to hold Mac's belly button. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you got the belly button. I got the belly button. It's one of the, the most proudest things I've ever done in my history in radio, but no. I, I thought when they won on Sunday, and I was like, dude, this schedule, this is not world beaters. I mean, you're telling me they can't beat the Colts at home on Sunday? You're telling me they can't go to Chicago and win on a short week? I think all that stuff is in the cards for them. Well, I've also said that for it to be a real thing, you got to get a game you're not supposed to win. The home game against the Cowboys at the Jaguars. Every other game on their schedule is winnable. Wes, you have a stank face. Do I go to you or do I continue to read no, text messages? No, just keep going because I'm looking for something so then I can come back into Is it the Derek mix. Carr stuff? No, it's not. Okay. Not <laughs> <laughs> Coach Jeff said, uh, Fitty, they let you smoke crack in the office? Uh, no. I smoke spin. Get it right. He's smoking mm -hmm. that spin. CJ said, you have to go 4-0. and We're remaining in the NFC South. Doc said, Panthers can win every game except for the Jags and the Cowboys. They can win every game left, except for the Jags and Cowboys game. How about okay, three? We back. How about three, three, six writing in? It's happening. We're getting better on the way up. Our defensive reinforcements are going to be coming back. Tampa Bay and Atlanta are on their way down. 704-980. Two Let's more. St. Scott said, I usually leave you guys alone, but Panthers ain't making the playoffs. Already 0-2 in the division and the final one. Flawless wrote in as a Panthers fan. I think we'll get a game away and then lose in the last week like last year. Yeah, because I was going to say, when you go back to that 2014, when they made it with that 7-8-1 record, uh, you're talking about New Orleans finished that year seven and nine, Atlanta six and ten, Tampa Bay two and fourteen, and with both of those teams, when you talk about the Saints and Falcons sitting there at four and four, oh, I'm sorry, uh, you got two four and four teams at the top of the division. I just don't see these teams having that kind of collapse. When you say Atlanta and New Orleans sitting there at four and four. I mean, it would have to be just major football gods at work there to be able to make this happen because I don't see either of these teams sitting at 4-4 four and four right now finishing with those records uh, that they had back then. All right, so here's the angel talking to me on my right shoulder, telling me why what Fiddy is saying isn't crazy. Uh, Minnesota just lost. Minnesota just lost Kirk Cousins, and they're the seventh seed in the NFC right now at 4-4. Four and four. San Francisco, once undefeated San Francisco, is now currently the sixth seed. So is it even to the point where you have to win the division to get to the postseason? Because people are laughing, wait, you're going to win the NFC South? That's laughable. Maybe they don't have to win the division in order to get there. Like maybe, maybe that's not crazy enough. New Orleans is four and four, and they are one game out of making the postseason as it currently stands. Minnesota has the tiebreaker over New Orleans based on best win percentage in conference games. Carolina certainly is the uh, the fifteenth team in the NFC, so they still have a long way to go. But that's what the angel is saying to me. The devil is saying, "Dog, 
chill. You are a Miles Sanders extension away from going 0-7. <laughs> Yeah. And this conversation isn't happening. Yeah. So it's tough. I, I like the optimism. There are some avenues to exit into playoff land. Like that, there there is that on ramp that you can get on that road. It's a little too hard for me to fully commit and take that on ramp. Yeah, I agree with you as well. Like I said, it would just take some major, major. Uh, I don't even know if you call them coincidences. What would happen? These teams would just have to absolutely fall apart. And again, like I said, when you point to what happened in the win, that's the thing you got to look at. I didn't. I, I thought it was a a dirty win. Okay, you know people like dirty martinis and stuff like that. Mm. This was not a clean win to where the Panthers came out because when you look at how they did it at the end of last season, they were running the heck out of the ball. They were protecting the quarterback. They were getting it done defensively. They had their struggles. But, you know, you are very, very, very fortunate, and I threw three on there, because when your quarterback gets sacked six times, gets hit as much as Bryce did, and you only run for two yards of carry, you're not going to win many football games like that. And that's why I said this was a dirty game. It wasn't the type of win where you could really come away from and say, man, they flipped the switch now. I think they can play some good football. There was a lot of stuff there that was not good. And you mentioned these teams got to collapse. Tampa Bay wasn't great down the stretch. They had the goat at quarterback. Like you're, you're putting a lot more trust and faith in Derek Carr, whoever's going to play quarterback for Atlanta and Baker Mayfield. Like that's why I think it's on the table because the quarterback play in this division is arguably the worst in the entire NFL. But what did you see from this team in the win that makes you think that they're capable of that? Because there was a lot of bad in the win. Yeah, but I mean. A win's a win, and you don't know what a win is going to do. So, look, I've, I've said <laughs> that's a good point. They've they've got to build off of it. Like, if they win this Sunday, it's not a talking point. But they win on Sunday, and then they go and win again on Thursday. Now that's three wins in a twelve day time period. It's go. It, the conversation's there if they win their next two games. Here's here's the thing for me because I think you're right, Wes. I think a lot of this it's hard to believe because. It's not like Carolina was phenomenal. I, I do think there was enough change in that offense where they were throwing downfield. And hmm, how about Bryce Young looking as good as he did despite all of the pressure? He seems to be pretty clearly getting better. There were some things to like offensively, even if it wasn't this explosion of offense. There were some things to like. You know me. I don't even love the Saints. It's hard to love them. I, I do think Derek Carr has been disappointing for the most part this season. What I could see with the Saints is them getting better in the second half because now Derek is continuing to gain some chemistry with Chris Olave, with some of the receivers he's working with. Alvin Kamara has been very uh, prominent in the passing game. And so now you do have a weapon coming out of the backfield. That defense is still a defense that I am scared of a little bit. Uh, and so if we're looking at who could have second half surges, because I agree with you, Fiddy, I do think Tampa and Atlanta, I could see those teams faltering in the second half. Desmond Ritter it didn't live up to what he was supposed to be, at least in Arthur Blank's God, I do it every time. I do it every time I get the <laughs> Arthur's mixed up in Atlanta, at least in Arthur Smith's mind, Desmond Ritter, you bench him after calling out the media for asking questions about it, by the way, but you bench him. So I could see Atlanta faltering in the second half. Could absolutely see Tampa because Fiddy's right there. They did last year, despite having Tom Brady, who is better than Baker Mayfield. But with the Saints, 
I could see the Saints even getting better as the second half goes on. Yeah, I would agree, too. I mean, that offensive line play, they're having a lot of issues on that one as well. I mean, they're in the bottom tier of the league when you look at PFF grades for pass blocking. But again, like you said, this is a team uh, that's continuing to get better. I mean, Atlanta has the type of weapons to keep them afloat, even though their quarterback play isn't there. But again, I, I do agree with Fitty on a point is you never know what a win can do. Uh, that's why the Indianapolis game is going to be huge for them to see what did you learn, where did you get better, because another question you have to ask yourself as well is, you know, how many games can Bryce survive getting sacked six times and hit ten times? Um, you know, even a quarterback that's 6'5", 255 pounds, if they keep getting hit like that every single week, they're not going to be able to make it uh you know, in consecutive weeks playing. So that's another issue that's got to be solved. Don't see it happening. Um, a not ain't no number said was from Charlotte. Panthers have to win ugly every week. That's what I'm saying. You're going to have to win ugly, ugly football games. And uh, I just don't know that the teams coming up that they have to play against are going to grant them that wish of just playing ugly football. All right, here, here's the last point in Fitty's favor. We saw this happen last year. Detroit went one and six to start the season, and then they found themselves in playoff contention. You know who ended it for them? It was Carolina. Mm -hmm. After that win, 37 to 23 on Christmas Eve, Carolina was able to end their playoff contention, but they were contending for a spot in the NFC playoffs until Carolina was able to get that victory. They would finish with a nine and eight record, but they started off one and six. And so if you look at even some of the things working for them, it was only a three-point loss to Philly to open up the season for Detroit last year. They won 36-27, to but those are two back-to-back 30-point performances, which Carolina ain't putting up. Not this year. They're not doing the whole 30-point thing. At, at least they weren't in the first half like Detroit was last year. They only lost by four to Minnesota. They only lost by three to Seattle. The margin of victory had was closer for Detroit in all of those losses than it has been for Carolina for the most part. So, yeah, it was one and six last year for the Lions, too. But also they were playing closer and they were putting points on the board. Their defense was just so bad. Yeah. They were getting blown out. Carolina's defense has been a little too inconsistent for me to put a ton of faith on that side of the ball until some of these guys come back. I don't hate it, though, Fitty. I don't hate it. I think you squinting at the computer screen, looking at the rest of their schedule, I think it was well-deserved to discuss. And a couple of Texans also brought up the Jaguars last year, too, as the turnaround that they had. Yeah. They were 4-7, and seven, finished 9-8. and eight. So if you get to 3-6. and six, Oh, dude, I, talk me into it all day long. Spooky season. It's here, <laughs> and it's on Wes and Walker. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Let's bring in Joe Person, Panthers beat writer with The Athletic. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Are we? Are, should we cut the defense a little bit of slack, Joe? What do you think? Yeah, a little bit, but for the reasons you mentioned. But And, and listen, too, I think that their, their stats, they haven't been good for a, a big chunks of this season, but they really got exposed 
by Detroit and Miami, who right. are pretty good offenses. You know, last week and and really for the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, they if 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 they get exposed by uh, you know by Gardner, Gardner Minshew this week, then then I think some really hard serious questions need to need to be asked. Not that they don't now. I, I absolutely get the question. Um, yeah, but but they've it, all of the injuries just seem like they've lined up on the defensive side of the football this year, and uh, you know, m- much to the chagrin of Ajero Avero. Okay, fair enough. I like that. Well, let, let's go back though to about an hour ago, a little over an hour ago. The trade deadline came and went. I read your piece this morning on you know things that they could conceivably do before the deadline, but uh, they've done none of them. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I. I, I hope that I painted a pretty bleak picture in that story because it never seemed like one that I, I never got the sense they were going to do anything with Brian Burns. Um, you know, they, the, the bigger question is, should they have done it last year? That's something you and I can discuss. Uh, but in terms of other guys on the roster, I don't think there was any way, even, even though Hayden Hurst and Miles Sanders had kind of continued to get pushed down the depth chart. I don't think they were going to deal those guys this quickly. They're, First of all, I don't know that you know teams would be all that interested in taking on those salaries. The Panthers would have to uh, eat you know pretty considerable dead money, and and also Scott Fitter would have to say, "Boy, I really messed up. Uh, those were two terrible signings." Uh, and I don't think that that Scott Fitter. Well, a, I don't think he feels that way, and and two, I don't think that's an admission he'd want to make. Uh, you know, with with him potentially being on the hot seat, depending on how this season ends up. So I thought someone like Dante Jackson or Terrace Marshall would, would, would could get moved. Uh, you know, not, not going out on a limb there. I mean, Terrace Marshall wanted to be <laughs> traded. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 it's not like it would have cost the team a lot. He was on cl- under club control for another season and a half as a second-round pick. But uh, no, uh, no takers for, for Terrace Marshall. Do you believe that David Tepper views the job Scott Fitterer's done here as satisfactory? I guess what I'm saying is, if you're Scott Fitterer, how concerned are you about your future here, based on the way things have transpired? I mean, that's becoming the question now, because I, I don't, you know, it, unless this becomes 1-16, which it, it doesn't feel like it's going to, then I, then I think we're in agreement that, that Frank Reich has already made the big shakeup, which was to essentially fire himself as, as play caller. And so if, if there's not going to be change on the coaching staff side, and, and again, you know, we're, we're assuming things sort of continue down a, a road that some, somewhere between one and 16. And let's say, yeah, I don't know if, if this season ends up with three or four wins, the Panthers do, then I, I do think that someone's going to have to pay the price. And if it's not Frank Reich, then I think, you know, that obviously the next, the next obvious choice is, is Scott Fitter. I think your question started. How do I think, how do I think Dave Tepper feels about Fitter? I mean, I think he likes them. I mean, Scott's a likable guy, but, and, and, and for a couple years here, he, he had his hands tied kind of with, with Matt rules, personnel, uh, power that he got uh, contractually, and that and that Matt Wielden on a number of 
uh, levels and with a number of key signings, uh, like, like Robbie Anderson, just to name one. Um, but, but that's, that's gone now. This is Scott's show. And, you know, at, at the end of the, the season, he's going to be asked to kind of uh, see what, what his moves ha- have resulted in wins and losses, product productivity beyond wins and losses or in addition to, and, you know, I, it, there's a chance that that move gets made. Joe Person, the athletic, he's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Why was Sunday's win over Houston important, aside from getting the first one? What was the most important thing about Sunday's win over Houston? The manner in which they won, I thought. And, I, look, I get it was ugly. And, you know, it was uh, it, it was not aesthetically pleasing. Even the last drive was but but they did, you know, that, as I wrote in my column, you know, it had been since 2018 since this team had a fourth quarter comeback to, to win when they were when they were trailing. Now, you know, week, week 18 last year in New Orleans, they were tied, went down the field, and Eddie Pinheiro won in week 18 for Steve Wilkes. Um, and so, I, I mean, that was kind of cool for, for Bryce Young's development. And uh, we, I think we continue to see Bryce take steps I mean, they may not be like the big, like, you know, headline grabbing, sports center uh, stealing uh, highlights that, that Will Levis most recently put up. But, but I am seeing steps, and I think we all are with Bryce Young. And, and certainly that, that was the case during that fourth quarter drive. I mean, the fourth down throw to, to Adam Thielen was when, when Miles Sanders ran the wrong route. And there was a lot of traffic there, and he still managed to put it in a place where only Adam Thielen could catch it. I mean, that was a hell of a throw. And a, and a great catch by Thielen, too. So he, I thought that was important. It, it, kind of, it, it got the, the, the gorilla off everyone's back in, in that locker room momentarily, but mo- certainly more so for Bryce. There he was going against C.J. Stroud, the guy he will forever be compared to, uh, but but certainly the first six games of this season he had been. You know, uh, as we discussed the general manager there a couple of minutes ago, one of the things that uh, we that he was being hailed for this time a year ago was the pick of Icky Aquano. And the fact that I think in the middle of, this was about this time last year that he was in the middle of uh, about a half dozen games where he didn't surrender a sack. And you know people were starting to feel like that position had been settled. But here we are a year later and um, the folks are asking, do they have a massive Icky Aquano problem out there on the left side? How, what's your view on that? You know, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I, I do think Icky has taken, uh, you know, a, a step back. I'm not ready to flush him. I, I've also watched him on Sunday hold up well on some pretty important third or third down plays uh, where, where he did hold off, uh, you know, a Houston defender. Here's something that I, I don't think gets talked about enough. I, I've, I've mentioned in, a, in a, some stories, but not you know, kind of in passing. That staff last year, especially when Steve Wilkes and Ben McAdoo took over, they were giving Icky some help. Not on every play, but you know whether it was tight end staying in, backs chipping, they they did not just set Icky out on an island at, at left tackle and, and see how they fare. Um, and I think I think this offense with with Frank Reich and now Thomas Brown has done less of that. And, uh, and, you know, I think sometimes they paid the price for it, but, uh, 
Yeah, it, it, it's been disappointing at times. There's no doubt about it. He, he, he has struggled. But I, I still think, you know, he, I still think I see enough good things where I, I'm not ready to, you know, flush him with the, with the bathwater. A couple quick things, Joe, I'll let you go. Do you think there's a minimum number of wins that Frank Reich needs to feel good about coming back next year? Is that a foregone conclusion either way? Well, like I said, something north of, of one. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't want to be flipping about it, but I think this team's going to win some games. Um, they're not going to win as many as I predicted in preseason, which I think was like seven or eight. But I I do think. I mean, you just look at the schedule. I mean, it 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 has eased up considerably. Um, I had said before last week's game. First of all. I didn't do this publicly, but was telling people who, who cared or if they cared that I thought the Panthers would, would win two of these next three in this stretch against uh, uh, Houston, Indy, and Chicago. And I still think that. Um, and, and I think there are other wins on, on that schedule. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it, if it doesn't happen and they're losing to teams where – that aren't Detroit or aren't Miami, et cetera, then I do think there could be jobs in jeopardy at, at all levels of the organization. Last thing, just I got a lot of questions about this, especially since yesterday and really what happened to Kirk Cousins. There are a lot of folks that have been asking me, you know, do you deal Andy Dalton if the, if the Vikings call and you know, one or two other teams could use a, a quarterback? Did you, did you ever get any sense that there was interest in Andy Dalton or that they were interested in moving him? What would you think about that? I don't know. I, well, there's two different questions. I don't think the Panthers would have been interested, and I don't think you know when you see what Josh Dobbs got. I mean, I don't, I don't, and I know Dalton's got more experience, but I don't know that it would have been some robust offer to uh, get the Panthers to trade Andy Dalton. And I think they, you know, all the reasons they brought him in here and, and felt good about it are still relevant today. They, they like. The mentorship he provides Bryce Young, in, you know, alongside of, of Josh McCown. And, you know, oh, by the way, he, he did a pretty good job in his only start at Seattle. And, you know, Bryce Young's another turned ankle away from Andy Dalton getting in there. And so I, 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 I didn't get the impression they would have been in a, a real, you know, geeked up to, to move Andy Dalton. And I also don't think. It, as I said, I don't. I don't think it would have been some crazy offer, and so it probably made any conversations they did have or might have had were probably pretty short ones. Joe Person, you're the best. I always enjoy these conversations. Have a great night. Happy Halloween. What are you, are you dressing up, by the way? You know, I'm not. I, I did I, over the weekend. My wife and I. You'll appreciate this. You're a baseball guy. My wife and I went to a couple of costume parties as Phillies fans. She was a Philly. She was Brandon Marsh. Oh. I was a Philly something in denial um, because I thought the Phillies would still be playing this week, and they're not. So we went as the Phillies in denial, and so that was my shtick. And I think I'm just going to leave that in the weekend. Tonight I'm just going to uh, pass out some candy. I love it. All right, buddy. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.